Okay, my next target this week is a man probably better known as nickname the Cake, uh, Shane Curran, All Star nominee, Ross Ross Common goalkeeper for a number of years. Welcome, Shane. How are you? Welcome, bud. Good, all good, Jen. How are you keeping? Uh, fantastic. Yeah, in hard times. Yeah. Yeah, hard times, weird times, I suppose, but. Uh, it's it's great to be able to do something like this to keep it going, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to get out and talk and mingle and, and chat and uh, safety, yeah. of course. But uh, yeah, talk about football and talk about all the things that, that are important to us. Exactly. Well, you know? Anyway, we're going to go straight into it and throw you in the deep end from the start. Good man, bud. Doro won the championship a couple of weeks ago versus Gracefield. Obviously, there was a there was a bit of controversy about with yourself leading into the game. Uh, do you want to just sort of tell people what happened and? Uh, what sort of came about afterwards and before it? Well, I, I don't think there's any controversy. I, I think, obviously, we, we, we're living in, 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 in strange times and, and uh, I think it's been well documented what happened in the week before. We The, the club um, had a positive test and Balamir had a positive test and two of the players were deemed very close contacts or close contacts of that positive test. And in the absence of, of clarity around those tests, um, the management and the club made a decision not to play the game on, on the Saturday and informed of the county board of that particular decision and it was taken in, in unison, taken with the best interests of the players in mind and the wider community um, because as we, we've seen prior to that and, and after that, it's not so much the games that are, are the problem, I think it's maybe the celebrations thereafter. So I think a sensible decision was made um, not to, to proceed, but unfortunately the, the support... Um, of the county board wasn't there um, to postpone the game. I can actually understand it. I, I, I can see, you know, their, their their thinking and their logic and their point of view. But um, neither I, as the management manager and, and our management team or the club were were were, uh, were, were uh, I suppose we, we'd made our decision, and um, that was to to make sure that the players were were supported and protected and the wider community and. Um, I'm still very happy with that. I think at the end of the day, the players decided then to go and play themselves and uh, they were well prepared anyhow. Uh, the game went ahead and look, at they got the result that they deserved for, for a season really of, of uh, great application. And, and yeah. they're, they're happy with that. And um, There's a wider aspect to everything, to all these things. Um, there are people with at home with maybe people that are sick um, that are involved in panels and squads and management as well. Um, so you have to be cognizant of all those things when you make make decisions like that. Very very difficult one, um, because it was probably the most stressful time I've ever had in football, yeah. leading up to that to walk away from a final. Not so much walk away from it, but not to be there on yeah. the final day uh, with my management and with my coach Owen Mooney. Um, but we're happy that we made the right decision, the correct decision. And I think uh, events afterwards in other counties and other clubs. Um, Born that decision out quite correctly that that it was it was made in, in the best best way possible. You're, you're sort of answering me next question. You have you have no regrets oh of no, not I, going. No, absolutely not. I think w- the team were prepared within within an inch of where they needed to be prepared, and they were fantastic lads. Um, and they took on that mantle of leadership, and and the guys that were part of the management team who were from Doro, um, went ahead and and done their job fantastically on the day, and and. Uh, that's really all you can do uh, within the within the confines of, of what we had, and everybody's trying to do their best, you know, um, you know whether it's the GA, soccer, rugby, and they're all trying to work within the the protocols that are laid like, down. Yeah. But I think in the absence of clarity, and I think this is what this is a kind of wider discussion. There is so much dubiety and ambiguity around everything yeah. that, in essence, it's make it up as you go along and. Uh, but you know, with the with the players that we had, um, 
very close contact uh the decision was made to to just be safe and and um we've no regrets at all about that and and thankfully it's a bit surprising though that uh, you didn't have to back him into county board is michael dignan a member of the or does his son play football with you yeah look at i you know i i think i suppose the protocols are there's a COVID officer and it goes to the CCC and, and, yeah. and then, you know, the county board or whoever is in makes makes decisions. I think it's not down to any one individual. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael has, has his job as chairman and does a really good job at that. And, and uh, you know, it's not fair to impact or maybe point the finger at any one individual. It, what it is is really a collective decision. But in the absence of leadership in terms of wider society i don't yeah. think it's really a ga thing it's just wider yeah. um that dubiety is always there and until someone like i suppose on this occasion it was it happened to be i uh, who had to make a decision an uncomfortable decision as it was to just step away for the for the match from the final um in relation to that and and take a stand um in terms of protection of the players and you know our message and our the clarity of our message all year long is one of the players front front and central so he'll always be front and central. The group will always be front yeah. and central. So as a manager, you can't be talking out the two sides of your mouth. And I think there's quite a bit of that. You know, that one narrative suits one day and suits the same person some, to say something else the next day. Yeah. But uh, I think when you're when you're consistent with your with your message, um, then it's easy to easier to justify what you do um, yeah. in terms of making decisions. Well, I suppose it just shows how well you had them prepared that they went to the match on the day and. They really won very comfortably in the end, which was, uh, I think, the, the bookies probably had Gracefield down as as, sli- as slight favourites to win the match. But fair play, listen, these things happen. And in terms of next year, Shane, will you be will you be with Duro or what's... Yeah, look, I'm hoping so. We, we've, look, we've, there's a few things that I suppose have to be ironed out. It's very difficult. Um, one thing I found, I suppose, uh, any club that's been with her county, you know, when you're, when you're coaching or when you're managing... Um, it's very important to be able to get the best out of the players, particularly by spending time with them, you know, and, and, and getting to know them. Now we got really good chances here to get to know the lads who are top class, brilliant leaders, you know, there's some fantastic footballers. The lads, actually, I'm not too sure why they're not in the Offaly panel, but they should be in the Offaly panel. Um, if Offaly have better footballers than what, what are, they're leaving behind, um, I'd be very surprised. But um, in dual clubs, it, there, there's a difficulty, you know, it's, it's the difficulty of managing... Um, a cohort of players and Doro Ball and the Mirror are very much while they're separate clubs they really turnover and the drain on, on one of is, is very high and yeah. I think we had 13 players this year who play senior hurling who now will be playing senior football so that that creates challenges you know it creates yeah. challenges for managements and, and um, look we'll see oh no well done fair play it was a great win for you and uh, all the best next year with that yeah uh, just in terms of going straight into the management end of things, um, how did you get into management, Shane? Did you did you sort of fall into it, or did you always have it in mind? Ah, no. Look, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose, uh, I was born with a ball, and I'll probably die with a ball, you know. And, and that's just the way it is. I mean, um, I've been involved in the game now for forty years between Everton. Um, I've always had a really strong interest in in coaching and tactics and players and teams and how best you can can kind of. Um, I suppose really give one the best, the optimum limits of their their ambitions, you know. And see, can small counties like Roscommon and small clubs like well, came from a big club, I suppose Castle Reese and Kevin's, and then went to a, a bigger club in Bridget's when it when when it changed over. And sometimes it's that lack of ambition, I think, that people have that keeps them back, you know. And I'd always be pretty positive and 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 look at 
the door half full and glass half full type. And I do believe that, you know, not enough of counties, not enough of players, not enough of clubs actually realise their ambitions. Um, and some of that is, is maybe society, some of it is tradition. Um, and I thought, I think, you know, when I played football, I felt that when I played, that when I looked down the other end of the pitch, there was nobody better than me. And when I played with the players, I played with Roscommon or Bridget's. When I looked at the team, I felt that we were as good, if not better, than anybody else. Or at least we could be competitive. Yeah. And that's very important. It gives hope that you can realise those ambitions, you know. And um, I was fortunate, obviously, I played at the top level, played League of Ireland as well, uh, and really, really enjoyed it. And I think probably got as much as I could have got out of my career, maybe more. Uh, I could have got more, but happy to what I got out of it. And I think to give back, be able to give back to people, and give them that sense of of uh, hope, yeah, uh, and maybe that sense that they can realise their ambitions if they they work hard enough, uh, and then that comes down to who influences you. Um, I, I think as a manager and as a coach, it's very difficult to have an impact unless you can influence. So unless you can actually go in and influence an individual who's part of a group, you can't influence the group or you can't impact on the group. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very important to understand. Um, and a lot of people maybe don't, don't a lot of coaches, a lot of managers, they're very good at the X's and O's. They're very good at the, the drills, maybe not so good at the skills. And I think, I was taken aback, I read a book by um, Julie Nagelsmann recently, he's the coach in, in Germany, he's one of the up-and-coming coaches in the world in soccer. And he kind of, he, he actually succinctly put coaching and management into three little boxes, and he was probably, when I look, think what he's right, we underestimate we o- we overestimate the, the importance of tactical preparation, technical preparation, and we underestimate social competence. So, in terms of being able to know, you know, what does Buddha, what turns Buddha on when he, when you get into the room, what turns Peter on when you get into the room, you know, what what's their problems at home, what are they doing at work, what are they doing in college? I think we underestimate the importance of that to a player. And uh, even this year, you know, a lot of guys in even Doro would say that it's very important to know the. You all know the players' names. You knew them very quickly, uh, and you're interested in other things. And what are you doing in work? You know, are you a physio? What? What's you know? Have you a girlfriend? And these things are important. They actually impact on people. And the the follow on from that is the impact on performance. Yeah. Um. If you've got a guy that's coming to training with a pep in his step, smile on his face, uh, he knows he's not going to be bollocked out, but he knows he's going to be encouraged. Um. He knows that. Everyone around the club or the county is doing the best for him. The manager has his back. The coaches have his back. Then you have a really good chance of getting that guy to perform. But if your social competence is very low or in contradiction to that, then the guy doesn't he doesn't really he, he cannot really get to the optimum of his performance. It's impossible. Yeah. First job, what was it? I know there'd be a lot of young aspiring managers watching watching this, hopefully, and looking at trying to get themselves into management. What was your first job? Well, I, I think first job really was kind of as a player, you know, and again, I suppose it's, it's only in the last maybe 15, 20 years, but I was fortunate. I had a lot of good managers um, over the years and I was kind of extrovert. I was different. I was kind of, you know, you'd be doing things differently than the norm yeah. at, at a period in my career where where I was free. I felt that I had the, the abilities to do what, 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 I, what I could do to help the team. But also I, I, managers who actually got that, you know, who understood that there was individuals that can do different things, that can be good with a team, and also that the players, that when you cross the white line, it's up to you to be able to make those decisions and take 
those decisions on board yourself. So I think when you're a player, you almost have to become a kind of a semi-coach, semi-manager in your own head to see, well, okay, can I actually make decisions that will impact on success or thereof or become better myself? And I think if you've got Manly, and I've been very fortunate, I have had them nearly all my career, to take little tidbits and nitbits from them, uh, but they never held us back, you know, and they always encouraged us to kind of make those leadership decisions on the field yourself. So I think sometimes as a player you're making decisions before you actually go into jobs and before you, you think it's for you. And management is... My first job, I suppose, really as a coach was with, with Colliery, actually, in 2009. I just kind of had a bad year with, with, with injuries and, and uh, they asked me to get involved and we won the junior championship. Uh, Oxymorton was manager. And it was really good. It was a brilliant, great group of players. Gary Flanagan played. Peter, uh, there was a lot of guys played. Um, really good players. It went on. Kevin Maguire went on to play for, for, for Westmead. Still is playing. Yeah. Um, and they were great lads, and uh, it was a great, you know, kind of excitement. And the following year, then I got involved with Roscommon under twenties, uh, and we won a college championship. Um, and then actually went back playing. Then uh, came back playing after a, a pretty serious back operation. Um, back to play with Bridget's uh, good decision. For, well, he look at it ended up being a good decision in the end. Um, but yeah, so then after that, I suppose I retired in two thousand and fifteen, uh, and the first senior job I took was was Parry Pierce's. Um, which was a great, great, great job. Uh, great club again, great players, uh, great lads. We got to two county senior finals. Last one, we should have won really the first one against Clannagale with a really, really young team. Brought a lot of young players through. Second one beaten by Frankie's managed uh, uh, Bridget's. And, uh, that was a tough day, I'd say, was well, it? it was, it was, and it was. Because I think when you're managing, you're managing, you know, you just you get on with it, you know, and, and you're doing the best you can for the team that you're involved with. But they were just better. And, um, yeah, from there, kind of, you know, that's that, that was the start of it. Just, uh, I know you played under numerous managers uh, throughout the years yourself. Was there anyone you sort of nearly influenced you more than anything else or anyone that you really looked up to that you'd want to say, right, or did you just take bits and pieces off everyone? Yeah, I probably took bits and pieces of everyone. I, I think, look, I suppose Marty McDermott, I, I would have started out with Roscommon with him. He was very good, uh, no doubt about Donny Shine through the, through the year was excellent as well. He was the first manager that actually put me in goal because I played a, played a lot outfield. And then I suppose, you know, um, Tom Carr, John Tobin had, had huge influences on me. Uh, and, and then laterally, I suppose, Kevin McStay, I suppose, and, and Lee McHale as a coach. And I think Kevin and Lee probably would, 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 I suppose, you know, have had had a huge bearing on, on maybe the, the whole area and the element of managing and coaching and success that, that we had and it was just as good to work under them and I suppose in, in League of Ireland terms a guy called Tony Mannion who managed Galway United managed at loan uh, was, was a great guy as well Yeah uh, just going into the the players end of things um, you obviously played for a number of years and you've been involved with a few panels uh, what is the let's say did you find it hard man-managing or did you find it easy because you played for so long and you sort of came across so many different lads? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think that's the, the key to it is, is man-managing. The key to it is, you know, knowing when to give a fella the slap on the back and the proverbial kick in the arse, you know, and yeah. being able to identify, that's the skill, I suppose, to be able to identify when it's the right time, when it's the wrong. You can't be going in and hammering the table the whole time. I would take a very nuanced view and look at players and, Sometimes you have to accept as well that they're all human beings. You know, they're, they've all got their own personalities and they've all got their own things going on. Um, and football is only a very, very small element of that. 
So you've got to ensure that you have their trust, as I said earlier on, that you understand maybe these things. And also when, when there's a time um, to hit the nail on the head and change maybe the psychology of the individual or the team, that you, you have that. And I think the best time to do that is when you take over team. You know, you have clarity of message. Uh, you've People understand where you want to go, how you want to go there. Uh, and that if everyone is on the track, it'll be driven forward together. Yeah. It can't be done without without one wheel in the in the in the one spoke on the wheel, and, and that's just the reality of, of of life now. And it's a great way, I think. You know, I, I even look at young people. I think to get some some place to get a lot of bad press. I really really enjoy working with young people because all they really want is a bit of direction, yeah. uh, and a, you know, a bit of madness is no harm. You know, they have to enjoy themselves, yeah. and, and a lot of people think they weren't young themselves. You know, um, for me. Uh, I'm still relatively young and mad, you know. Yeah. But uh, you have to understand that p- players want to enjoy life, you know. And, and uh, I think once they understand that, once they know that, the manager has his, has their back. I think they're, yeah. they'll work for you. You're just you were going into the intercounty thing there. You're saying you were um, you obviously managed uh, Roscommon under twenties to win a Connacht championship. Just in terms of picking that panel, did you did you have trial games or were, are you the type of manager that picked a panel of maybe 60 and looked at them for a few weeks or did you pick them off trial matches? No, just bring in every, everyone comes in and everyone comes in and, and they, do, they do what they have to do uh, and everyone gets a chance. You know, sometimes in, in clubs in particular... Some lads are labelled, you know, they're, they're labelled, they might be the biggest fish in the, in the pond and he's got this problem, he's got that problem, he's got the other problem. Very few people actually tell you what he's good at or what he's not good at, you know, or you have to really, I suppose, have, have an open book in terms of where you want to go with players, you know, and give everyone an opportunity, you know, and sometimes it's the guy that, that's craving that opportunity who may not be the highlight in his club or he may be a lesser light, but he's anxious and he wants to get, he wants to learn, he wants to improve. These are the type of guys sometimes that actually emerge to be really good intercounty footballers. There's plenty of examples of them, you know, that are late developers yeah. and things like that, you know. And uh, I think that's that's one thing, I suppose, any any group I go into or any club or any, whatever whatever the, the scenario is, that you give everyone an opportunity uh, within, as best possible. I mean, you can't, you, can't uh, you know, have 60 people on a panel. But, you will get a nugget now and again out of it, and, and um, someone will emerge that may not have been a star or may not have been a shining light, but because he has a good attitude, um, he comes with, with as I'd call it, the hat. He's he's humble and honourable, and he's a good attitude and a good appreciation of people around him, and uh, he's tough, you know. And I think that's that's it leads to a tough team. And, and if you have people that come like that, um, ready and prepared, um, that's that's all you can ask. Yeah, it's just it's sort of you see a lot of players, and there there is quite a few. They don't really flourish for their own clubs. Yeah, but then when they go to the inter county scene, maybe it's because there isn't as much pressure on them because there's other players around that can then they can take the mantle on of the the best player. They're just carrying the can themselves. But a lot of players around that are just fine inter county players. Then when they go back to their clubs, they're bang average. Yeah, and sometimes it's 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 the difference in approach. You know, it's the difference in approach maybe. By the manager, you know, and sometimes in clubs, as you know, the necessary skill sets are maybe not there. So I think in a in a in a inter county scene, you know, you've got a lot of people around, you've got a lot of support, you've got your physios, you have your coaches, you have your your manager, you have 
your nutritionist, and some people thrive in that environment. And then they come back to another club environment where maybe those supports aren't there or the manager expects too much, and some players just can't cope with that. You know, whereas if, you, if you're if you going, you're part of a really group where everyone is almost of the same standard or certainly have a job that has a required standard to, to add to, well, then you can guys do thrive. Do you, do you find it easier because you're an inter-county player yourself to relate to those players? Um, I... Look, there's a lot of good coaches out there. There's a lot of good managers out there um, who haven't maybe got played inter-county football, who haven't played at elite level. Um, but they're few and far between. I think it's very difficult um, for any manager or any coach to give positive feedback to any group if their analysis is not good. Yeah. So unless you understand the game, unless you have that competency, um, it's very difficult to get trust in players if... You cannot analyse it properly, and and good players can do, and, and, and you know they, they understand that if a manager is giving them feedback, he's basing that on his on his knowledge, yeah, and his ability to be able to analyse to make the, you a better player through through coaching, um, but you can't do that. I don't think two of them can can separate can be can sit separately. Uh, yeah. No, there's a lot of good top class players that have had inter county games. Intercounty careers and really good club careers, but they can't impact and they can't give that knowledge or they can't communicate that knowledge. It's about really communication. You know, it's about the, that ability to be able to give that communication back to the player in a very, very clarified way with clarity. In terms of social media, Shane, I know it's 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 gone crazy the last number of years, but uh, it. It couldn't be helping the current inter-county footballer now because, as you're saying, you're expecting your manager to to give you feedback. But these all these young lads now, and they're all relatively long, let's be fair, are all being scrutinised over social media. Yeah, and I've seen a lot. I, I, look, I'm lucky enough of, uh, you know, you have thick skin and you don't really bother. And you, I'd answer some of them back, really, you know, and just put them in their box because I don't really give a shite, to be yeah. honest about it. But I do see... You know, I there's been a lot of players that have been impacted by by really desperate abuse. You know, and um, it's it's a modern issue. Obviously, I think actually, funnily enough, it'll spin itself out. Um, I I think um, social media will have that societal impact for a decade, maybe fifteen years. But I do think that a lot of young people now are kind of tuning away from it as well. You know, they're they're fed up of it. Um and you know the likes of Twitter and it gives it just gives people a it gives frustrated people an opportunity to vent their spleen and they'll never and I always say to young people keep away from it if you can't handle it you know um ignore it as best you possibly can now that's very difficult if you know I think Paddy O'Rourke from me there a number of years back got an awful lot of abuse for a mistake uh, yeah. he made in in a Leinster Championship match. I don't think he's played the game since, you know, so that's very sad. He nearly you know, went to Australia straight yeah, away, didn't he? I think, yeah, and there's loads of other, you know, that's just one that stands out. And players get, get it left, right and centre, um, whether it's All-Ireland Finals or whatever it is. But remember at the end of it, these are invisible people. You know, you're never going to meet them in your life. They're never going to come up to you in their life and say anything to you because generally they're cowards. Uh, and Keyboard uh, warriors. Sorry? Keyboard, Keyboard warriors, warriors, yeah. yeah and and uh, I, I think it'll, it, it, it gets a spin. Uh, I would advise young people that if you if you don't like what you're hearing, you don't just keep away from it. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that's down to managers. Let the manager deal with. It. Let the manager. It's the manager's issue uh, to just protect the players as best they possibly can. 
think the unfortunate part there is you're after mentioning Paddy O'Rourke and the abuse he got, but the unfortunate thing for goalkeepers is, and you were one of those yourself, if you make a mistake, it more often than not ends up in a goal. If I make a mistake up corner forward, I'm either after kicking a wide or I'm after giving the ball away and the ball has still has to get the whole way down the field before it can do any damage. But it obviously has to be psychologically for a goalkeeper, it has to be damaging if you make a mistake and... Like, you have to really have to... I know people say all county players have to be thick-skinned, but to be a goalkeeper in particular, you have to be... You have to have a hard neck. You do. Well, you know, the position calls for a psychological element that a lot of other players just don't have or can't, or can't have. Um, and, and, like, even at professional-level sport, if you take three or four step out over the last few years, Joe Hart was one of the top goalkeepers in the world at Manchester City in England. Carrius with, with Liverpool... They never really recovered from big mistakes, no. you know, and and their careers went downhill really, quickly. really quickly, mm. um, because po- possibly their mental, psycho- psychological strength wasn't there at the highest level, uh, for them to enable get for them to enable them to get over those massive bumps in the road and the ensuing abuse that they no doubt suffered. Uh, and there's other, I mean, there's other, uh, there's other examples of all that. True, uh, there's a hockey uh, goalkeeper in in um, Canada that I read about as well, who made mistakes and never really recovered from them. Going to the top of the world, one of the worst in the league. So it's the psychological preparation for that particular position is huge, yeah. uh, and the scrutiny that you're under when you make a mistake. It's as a forward. Uh, you know, I played out the field myself, you can make hundreds of mistakes in matches. But you're right, a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's scrutinised, it's, you know, brought to the fore, uh, particularly if it costs a team something. And and ultimately, uh, it's the lad between the sticks that gets the... That gets it in the teeth. Yeah. But it's it's just, it's it's something for people that are watching this um, and listening maybe to this podcast to realise that if you are one of these people that tend to try throughout your anger or your frustration through a tweet or anything like that, that these young men are they're not like the Carrius or the Joe Hart or these that are getting hundred thousand pounds a week. These lads are all amateurs that have to get up and go to work the next morning, and it's just it's just an unfortunate mistake. No one goes out to make a mistake, sure they don't. No, they don't. But you, you, like we're talking here, and we we have an audi- an audience that listens and all that, and and um, there'd be some of that audience since Curran was on again. He's talking shite, and <laughs> some inventor spleen about that. I don't really. I think the best thing you can do is ignore it, ignore it yeah. as best you can, because most times they're gobshites anyhow uh, that you never see. Most of them they never played in their lives. Most of them sit at home drinking cups of tea or waffing on a on a couch and and drinking beer, whatever it may be, and probably do little or nothing else or have never been in, involved in community spirit or community community events. Uh, and that's it, you know, just get over it, forget about get on it. it. I think, you know, sometimes people say the 1% of people that occupy 99% of your mind, you just want to forget about them, you know, and just be positive and yeah. get on with it. Just moving on to training sessions, Shane. Um, obviously, it's changed so much over the year with people going into player analysis stats and, and other team analysis and, uh, of, of the opposition or whatever. What are the main areas of trend that you've seen change over the years? Yeah, I think there's been, look at, I started my intercounty career in, in uh, 1990, I think. Uh, so I played through the 90s, uh, the, obviously the noughties, and I finished up then, obviously, at senior club level in, in the teens now. So probably 25, 30 years really close enough, been a 25 years certainly been a senior player. And 
when it when I started out, it was all about running hard, running. Jeez, I used to hate it, you know, round the lap after lap after lap, and I suppose it changed in around the late, yeah, early noughties. I think really it changed. You know, new coaching techniques. I'm very fortunate. Des Ryan, who's now um, head of sports science at Arsenal, was one of our first strength and conditioning coaches with Roscommon back in the late nineties, early early noughties, and he brought a new dimension to preparation uh, for matches. Uh, Tommy Carr. To be fair, and John Tobin would have been very much games orientated, and so our training changed from really hard running to to more nuanced work. Yeah, uh, and you could notice that change coming in, and and I suppose then um, through I suppose the late noughties, early early teens, it's now it's changed. The coaches have become better. I think what we what we focus in on. I'm very very fortunate. A brilliant coach was with me last year, Doro and Mooney. Uh, who's former former coach at Ulster, Rockland GA, um, Sport Ireland, and now uh, Dublin. Um, tremendous young coach with, with brilliant ideas around games based. Games, as you just say, if you want to drill, go to B and Q, and and that's that. That's really the truth of it. You, you yeah. have to, players want to play the game. So how can they learn about the game? It's by a games game games based approach. Now, you, you obviously have to have a very competent level of fitness as well, and be physically fit. To be able to to um, integrate that those games into your into your football and into your team ethic and into your team play and your team style and all that, but yeah, I think the appreciation of the game and and skills based coaching, uh, drills based or games based coaching is is really the big change. Really, you know. Yeah, uh, just in terms of, you obviously are with we're with inter county teams and. You're still in the club scene at the minute, and probably to go into intercounty again. Is there would there be much difference in your training sessions for a club team than than an intercounty team? No, and, I, and there's not much difference. I, I mean, I coach everything from under eights, under tens. There is actually not a lot of difference between what you do at under eights, under tens, under twelves, and what you're doing at senior level. Mm. Okay, the speed of it goes up, the intensity goes up, the driving it goes up, and um, the feedback obviously to players. You know the way you analyze teams and all that. A lot of the, the things you're doing and trying to implement in players is, is decision making. Uh, can you make right, good decisions, correct decisions under pressure? Are you supported to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes? These are things that, that are right over the board. So it doesn't really matter who you're talking to. So you've got to be able to, I says to coaches, you've got to be able to speak to your under 8, speak to your under 12, your under 16, and your senior player. Really, the whole, the game is the same. It doesn't yeah. really change. Okay, as you go up, um, people focus in a lot on, you know, you got to win, you got to win. We kind of keep away from that, focusing on performance. You're focusing on getting better yourself. And ultimately, the success or thereof of your program or how you coach will be reflected in how you how you perform relative to the, to the, to the, the, the level of the player that you have. Uh, and can you leave it better than you got it? Can you walk away and every player, well, I improve that guy, improve because of our coaching, our coaching style. And I think if you can do that, you've done a good job um, and players will appreciate that. Yeah, very good. Um, just in terms of uh, young managers coming up, would you advise them to, if you're talking about video analysis of yourselves or opposition teams, would you advise them to go into that or would you advise them maybe to go and sit at a match yourself and watch it? Uh, of the opposition I'm saying what way would you approach that personally I have to touch it feel it and see it okay I 
get a very, very low level of understanding of a game from watching it on a TV or a streaming or something like that. So I like to go touch it, feel it and see it and see exactly what, what we're dealing with. And I think one of, one of the, the aspects of it, even this year, uh, we had a game plan or game style with Duro that was based on really high pressing all over the pitch and, and making sure we're putting the opposition under pressure. But when we, we looked and analysed um, analyzed opposition for the final Gracefield, we, we decided totally to flip that on its on its head and say, no, this will this is actually the way we need to play against these, particularly on our own kickouts or on their kickouts, that we'd stand off them and get under the midfield breaking and things like that. But the players understood that. Within any system, there's flexibility. Yeah. And it's you've got to trust the players then to adapt within that flexibility. And they did, they were brilliant. Game styles change. I, I, I don't think possibly that if, if we didn't go to that game, would I have picked it up off a video camera? Probably not. I think you you pick it. Up, I pick it up things much better by seeing it in the flesh. Okay, yeah. you can look at things in or maybe particular individuals that you're trying to analyze within a team setting, and maybe if it's a forward, what way he likes to run, what way he likes to turn. Does he take a bounce first? Does he take a solo first? Does he play it off his right? Does he play it off his left? Does he pivot quickly? Whatever, whatever it may be, whatever thing you're looking for. Um, but I would also kind of I suppose counsel as well. It's like anything. If you have too much to eat, you're going to get fat. You know, if you you don't have enough to eat, you're going to be hungry. It's a, there's a balance. You know, yeah. you can overanalyze things, and sometimes you can overanalyze opposition without looking at the quality of yourself. Uh, and I think it's about being nuanced around that. How you still impart a message that your team, the players that you're playing and you're coaching with and managing. You believe in them more than the rest, yeah. but that you give them a little bit of a flavour for what they're going to come up against, and then they learn how to make their own decisions. And if, if I was a manager coming up now, a young lad, I like to have young people around me. I also like to be surrounded by older people, um, because I think you, you you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, an experienced head who can maybe counsel you when you're making a mad decision or something that may be right for the group, and you got a young lad that's. Full of enthusiasm, that's very important as well. And and uh, I would just say, just take the best of of everything, and but not OTT everything, and believe in yourself, back yourself, and back your team. Just two things in in terms of the one thing here, uh, the new rules. Um, what did you make of them? Um, would there be anything that you would change? And would you coach your team this year? Say like the forward mark. Would you have been coaching Duro? to take advantage of this forward mark or would you have just said listen go out and play if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't yeah to be honest about it I think again I suppose with lockdowns and things like that you have to identify I suppose within your group what's good for that group how your time is best spent to get the best out of the group and then decide well then how you're going to coach them so yeah I looked at the forward mark and I said no I think I think you know as a coaching group we said our time is better spent working on this and if the mark happens, it happens. It happens yeah. But maybe next year you'd say, well, okay, this group, we can work on the mark here and, and say, well, it's in now. We know it's in. We've got to work on a coaching strategy to get more marks. And look at Tyrone, for example, over the last couple of weeks. I think they have the highest number of marks in the country. Uh, and in one game alone, I think it's seven. So that's, that's high. Yeah. That's seven scores from almost a freebie. I, I can't stand the rule personally. I think it's a ridiculous rule. 
Um, but um, that's coming from a goalkeeper, though. Yeah, it is, and uh, yeah, but even and as a for, I was a forward myself. I mean, yeah. I played outfield for yeah. for Roscommon for eight years at inter county level, which people probably don't remember. Um, I wasn't, you know, a prolific scorer or anything, but I did play outfield. And I was with my club. Um, I would have been probably one of the top two or three in the county. So that I understand it why. Uh, and I understand, I suppose, you know, th- this whole area of mass defences and things like that, why the mark would be brought in. I think they would have been an awful lot better doing something about mass defences than the than they're doing about the mark. Uh, I just think it's a stop-start uh, effort, and I, d- I don't like it. I, I just think it takes away from the fluid. Maybe yeah, something you take over. Uh, it would, yeah. And uh, the kick-out stuff is, is completely different. I think the mark from the kick-out, yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I think it's worked in general. Um, and I think the whole area of tactical work around kickouts has changed over the last five, six, seven, ten years, maybe. Um, and the Marcus has, you know, exceeded that as well. Just with players now, the last thing we'll go on that is um, you give player an instruction going out. Say you have Shane Curran is taking is taking this forty five. If we get forty five, Shane Curran is coming up to take it. If Frankie Dolan's going to take the penalties. How would you feel about someone that goes against your, uh, say, your instructions? Like, let's think back now that Padraig Glennon was taking a penalty in a minor Connacht final and some lad ran by him mm. and took the penalty and ended up scoring. So, <laughs> do, would you take, how would you take them things happening? To be honest about it, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be uh, saying that's the right thing to do either. <laughs> but uh, no, I, um, I think about instruction. Um, okay, so within, within a team, um, you've obviously got set sort of things that you 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 nail down. So free taking is one of those things. Penalties, not so much to be honest about it, because funnily enough, I, I've always said about penalties. If if a player is having a good game with any team, I would encourage four or five players to practice penalties. Sometimes the guy that's really good at penalties, he can be having a really poor game, and it, the penalty comes at the wrong time for himself in a confidence point of view. But you can have a player who's really on top of his game and feels like now is the day for me to take the penalty. So I actually take a very different view to that. I don't really have any set penalty takers. I think this year, actually, we two or three given any different any particular time. Uh, Ushin Cusick, I think, at the end was practising so well from fullback and playing so well. I just said, look, you go and take them today. You know, and that's down to making players make decisions. There's a couple of things within a team dynamic that... Um, you try to instruct as best through your coaching. What drives me nuts as a forward is that you're, you're two on two inside and there's an acre of space ahead of you and no you're 45 or 50 mi- yards out from goal and the fella's looking at you and he kicks it back 20 yards. Now that drives me scatty completely. Yeah. There's two on two inside. Back him up. Put the ball in there. Okay, it's two on two. Yeah. It could be a two on one. Back your forward. Let's see what the back let's is made of. That's exactly, exactly. Yeah. And test them and test them. And that's the kind of thing I suppose about instruction. I don't like over instruction because again, you have to encourage your players to make decisions. The game is millions and millions of decisions. Okay, you have a structure as opposed to instruction. You have a clarity of how you want to play as opposed to you must do this, you must do that, you must do the other. I think players are not robots. You know, they have got to be prepared and you've got to allow them within a kind of a time frame or within a framework of a match, they've got to be allowed to make their own decisions and trust them. You know, I, I always say to them, come up with something yourself, lads, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's a free kick, you know, we're two points up or we're two points down, it's a free kick. 
20 yards out and everyone expects you to put the ball over the bar. Work on something that you can get a ball in the back of the net. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work... You tried it. You tried it. Yeah. You won't hear any anything wrong from, from us. We're, we're, we're encouraging that. We're encouraging you to be to be creative um, within a certain kind of a framework. I know we're going back over 30 years, but do you remember... The penalty situation and, and Padder button the ball down. Oh, what in the name of God was going through your head to well, run I, I, by you? Know, it's actually funny because... Um, Were you ticked that you weren't taking it? Well, I was because I was the nominated penalty taker and I'd missed one early on in that game, which was I'd hit the crossbar from uh, for a penalty earlier. But I'd probably been playing quite well, actually, as it happens. And I remember Lurkin Dowd actually got... And this is kind of about about maths as well in terms of thinking about it, thinking ahead and being creative not so much me in this particular instance but for players themselves that they're able to actually compute things and see the future or see something maybe ahead in a game three, four, five, six positions ahead and go back to even the likes Jimmy White played snooker he'd be he'd be looking at eight shots eight shots ahead I need to think where, I, where am I going to have that ball? Golfer on, on a golf so what was kind of making up my mind lurking down would be one of our Best players to be fair at the time, he got sent off and he was out for the for the for the replay. Had it been a draw, and uh, I said we just we were really going to struggle to beat Galway without without Dowdy to be fair at the time he's a really good player, and um, I felt this you know penalty in the last minute is as good a chance as you're going to get to beat Galway. We were scamming beating Galway in a minor match in Yonks, you know, and uh, I wasn't happy that the instruction came in to kick it over the bar. That's what Padder was going to do. He wasn't putting it over the in the back of the net. Uh, he was kicking it over the bar, and that's what he was told so to do. So you were a point down at this stage? Yeah, point down. Last kick of the game. Sean O'Dwyer was standing beside me, and he says, it's going to be a draw. And <laughs> I think it's the way he actually said it. I said, no, it's not. So, bang. And uh, <laughs> Now, the funny thing about that is, had it, had it missed it, or had it hit the crossbar and come out, or anything like that, I'd probably be in Zimbabwe today, not here <laughs> talking to you, but, uh, but uh, you know, that's the, that's the crack. And, uh, yeah, all else ensued, and, and look, we got, a, we got a replay out of it, and, and uh, the funny thing about the replay is we got a penalty inside the first eight minutes of the game, in Castlebar, 10,000 people at a minor final replay, uh, and we get a penalty, and um, penalty, there was no instruction to put it over the bar, you know, we, we in the back of the net. Did you take that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Back of the net, and uh, funnily enough, the referee John Cosgrove never refed after that. But both of us were blessing ourselves uh, before that penalty. And and uh, look at it; it was one of those things. Yeah, no <laughs> fair play. Um, just moving on to just the difference between club uh, club players from different counties. You obviously have managed in in a few different counties at this stage, uh, which. Which um, county has the strongest club scene, do you think, in the counties that you have managed? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. You know, I suppose I'm conscious that, you know, people, sometimes you look at you look at your own career and you look at your own county through rose-tinted glasses and, yeah. and you know, you're always looking back. But I have to say that in Offaly, I, I found Offaly uh, the quality of player to be very good mm. um, throughout both Senior A and Senior B because uh, I'd went to some of the games and that I thought that, and the really good forward players, which is important, um, club scene in Roscommon is competitive I'd have to say you know there's a lot of clubs in around the same level and has been for quite some time um, Bridget's obviously are back on top now uh, Clannagale were there for a couple of years Pierce's uh, came through and won it last year so it's gone round a little bit more um, I haven't managed in Westmead since 2009 so looking out I don't know really to be honest but it does seem that 
a lot of clubs are very close together. There's a cohort there of Terrell's Pass, probably the Downs, Lomans, Shamrocks, um, and 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 uh, Gary Castle, who have seemed to be very close, you know. And then you've had Lone gone into the mix this year and get to a semi final, almost beat Terrell's Pass, who yeah. almost beat Lomans in a final. So yeah. it seems the quality. I think I've always said that if you get the proper backing and you get the players in any county in this country, almost in any of them, you can motivate enough players to be competitive. I think what's happened in Leinster in particular, a lot of counties just given up because of Dublin's dominance. Uh, Roscommon, we're a little bit luckier because we're in Connacht. There was a period there for five or six years we were in five or six Connacht finals by beating Sligo and, and Leitrim in semi-finals, but you're in then and you're playing against Galway, Mio, Galway, Mio, and that's where you want to be. Uh, competing against them, you get better. Uh, playing in Division 2, Division 1 of the National League, you get better. So players get a little bit more confident the more they're, I suppose, associated, the more they're exposed to a better level of competition. Um, but in many counties, they've given up. And, and I think that's the one thing that worries me about the future of the game, um, that enough players won't keep playing with their clubs uh, to make their counties stronger. Um, maybe that's one of the good things from COVID. Nobody's travelling now and they're all playing football. In terms of... Um if you were if you were in charge of Roscommon, and there was an intercounty transfer market, and you could bring in three players from anywhere in the country, yeah. there was no fees. You could just pick right. I'm going to bring these three. What three would you bring in at the minute? It's interesting you raised the question because I, I I think it's the only way forward for a lot of counties. Funnily enough, um, some sort of a transfer system. Um, we've Connor Cox who come up from Kerry to Roscommon last year, uh, who has got Roscommon roots, but I think that you know. Again, society may change with COVID. We might get more of our young people living in rural Ireland and staying at home. So it might be a help. But I think for counties to be successful, they're going to have to look at some sort of a way of enticing players to to come uh, across to to, to, to to play with their counties. Look, at the question is, <laughs> well, Brian Menton would definitely be one um, from Dublin. Brian Fenton, funnily enough, from Mead, uh, is also a midfielder who's got Roscommon roots, Cora boy. So if you had both them, Menton and Fenton, in the midfield for Roscommon, it'd be a brilliant duo. Uh, Colin McKenna, I think, Tyrone, tremendous, tremendous player. Um, and then I suppose David Clifford, I suppose, of, of Kerry, you know, is probably the best talent in the country at the moment, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I think you can mould defenders, it's, it's forwards that are the... The key, you know, can yeah. you get enough forwards? And and to be fair, in Roscommon, we've got really good forwards. You know, we've um, Young Cox and we've obviously the Murtas and we've the Smiths and that. Like you know, so we have a good good cohort of them. But uh, yeah, I think Brian Minton is probably a Rolls Royce footballer. You know, he's he's as good as yet. He's as good as what's out there. Uh, as good as what I've seen in, in, in thirty years in that position. And yeah, no, he's a he's a very good player and. Sure, if you could bring half, probably bring half the Dublin team and half the Kerry team and half the Toronto team, you could be t- Donegal, you could be picking anyone. Yeah, and there's talent in a lot of counties, you know, that we don't hear enough about. You know, Westmead have talented players, you know, and, and Offaly have talented players, Tipperary have talented players, but we just don't hear enough about them mm. and they're not exposed enough. And uh, like in Dublin, somewhere along the line, some county somewhere, with an ambitious chairman, will decide, well, okay. Let's let's go at this for three or four years or five years, uh, and let's stick with a program with with a manager who believes in what he can do. Uh, maybe something similar to what Armagh are doing with Kieran McGinley, and this endless kind of flow of getting a fella in and then getting them out and 
he's he's just there for two or three years. He's there basically for himself without leaving a, la- a lasting legacy. And I think that's something that county boards need to look at going forward. Um, if if they want something that's sustainable, would you have an interest in managing us common seniors yourself? Um, look at, um, I have a kind of a, a love hate relationship with 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 Roscommon in many ways. I, I think a lot of things that happened have happened over over a couple of decades. Um, don't sit well with me. Um, and I've spoken about them and I've been outspoken about it. Uh, and the reality is that that doesn't sit well with particular people in particular places. Um. Yes, at the moment things are, are very rosy and things are very bright, uh, but the future I worry about and, and the future I looked at and, and you look at what's happening at, at underage coaching in particular in a lot of counties um, isn't to where you'd want it to be for, for you to have sustainability. Would I love to manage your scum at senior level? Absolutely. Um, everyone wants to manage their county, but it would have to be right for me. Um, it possibly wouldn't be right for a scumman. Uh, at any given time in the near future, I can tell you, or rest assure you, but that's that's life. Um, if they don't like uh, the critic in the room, well, the critic got to get out. Yeah, well, listen, there's uh, plenty of time yet, and things can change, can't they? Yeah, well, please go, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, in, in terms of inter-county management... You're really putting your neck in the line, your reputation, family life, like your 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 wife and your your kids can also be brought into it. How do you, would you deal with that type of pressure for any younger manager, maybe stepping into the intercounty scene? Let it be minor, under sixteen. You're still putting yourself on the block. Oh, you are, and I, I think look at it again. It's like everything in life. You know, if you were to worry about the one percent, you'll you'll never do anything. You yeah. know, you've got to get yourself. Out. It's like being a player. You've got critics everywhere. You know. Um, and these are usually people who are useless themselves, who never done anything themselves. So I don't really let them crowd my space. I enjoy what I do. I have a great team of people around me that make it even more enjoyable. I'm very fortunate. I'm from a, uh, my family background and my football background. My wife and my kids love the game as much as I do, probably even more. They're highly involved in it. And yeah, to be honest, though, they've seen the other side of it. They've seen the abuse side of it. They've seen the, they've seen the good days, seen the bad days. They've seen... The highs and the lows, you know, they've been with me, my two daughters were with me, actually, the, the, we won the All-Ireland, they never missed a training session, they collected every ball I think that was ever kicked at me, uh, or put in the net, and then brought out and brought bottles out, and were in, was in Crow Park the day of the All-Ireland, uh, and they've gone on to have very su- successful careers so far themselves, uh, and Sharon, my wife, knows exactly, she's been with me 25 years, <laughs> she's heard it all from Tailymoon Park to Crow Park, uh, and all that goes on. Um, and she's 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 a she's a tough nut, and and uh, look at that's it. You do need you do need the support of your family, in particular. You need the support of of the people around you. You need really good coaches, and you need people that are positive. And I that's the one thing I would say: surround yourself with positive people, and people who have your back will have your back, and then everything else looks after itself. Yeah. You know, um, don't worry about the rubbish that goes on, the noise. Just on game day, Shane, how do you approach that? Like, in fairness, you probably have Sharon drove mad and the two girls drove mad at the best of times. Let's be fair about that it. That is quite uh, true, yeah. But in terms of being at home, getting into game mode, would them being around sort of like a tonic for you that to keep your mind off the game or are they better off getting out of the house? <laughs> uh, they get out of the house. <laughs> Yeah, they get, I, I kind of look at it, I suppose, I'm fortunate, I suppose, I have a lot of interest in sports, so prior to a match I'd watch, I, I try to keep away, I think once preparation is done, um, that Saturday, that Friday night to a Sunday, you, you, if you're happy that you've done the work, 
you know, go out and have a Chinese and have a few pints or a bottle of wine or whatever it may be on a Saturday night. It helps you relax, have the breakfast the following morning, read the papers. Um, now, yeah, okay, you're always going to be worried about so-and-so if there's an injury or this, but I think, then again, you know, having the clarity and purpose to your programme, yeah. if everything is, if you have the work done, there's nothing really to worry about. Um, just look forward to the match. And to be honest, about, yeah, I actually probably get more nervous prior to managing teams than I ever would have had playing. Because I think when you're playing, you're only really worried about yourself. You know, get yourself right. And if yourself is right, that's one part of the team right. But when you're managing, you're worried about all aspects of having everything right. Uh, and I think, again, I, I'm probably... I think I'm good at delegating, so I trust a lot. And if I have people involved, I'm happy that the job is done. And, and, um, and they know what they're at. And they know what they're at. And... and I like a cup of tea. I like my cup of tea before my matches, you know, and then just chill out and relax and talk to people, and then that's really it. In terms of picking a team, Shane, would you be, would you spend long doing it that, and would you be one of these lads that, say, came down to three or four lads for one position? Would you tend to ring the three lads that didn't make it, or would you just announce the team and let them deal with it themselves? That's a good question, and and it's one that I think. Um, it's one that a lot of managers struggle with, and, and I've struggled with it certainly over the last, and it's the one aspect of management that's very, very difficult. However, I've actually kind of looked and read out, read a lot about that particular aspect of it, and particularly uh, you look at the likes of Jurgen Klopp and his way of motivating players, his social consciousness around the players and how he gets on with the players. And that, I suppose, softens the impact then when you've, got to leave a player out because they understand the message right from the get-go so I think if you ha if there's no dubiety about your message right from the get-go it's easier explain these decisions when these decisions have to be made so in terms of team preparation and picking teams I used to say God I have to talk to this fella and let him down gently but I've actually gone away from that because I think what you need to do is at the start is make sure where possible 30 players in a panel feel that they're part of that panel and that any particular day, each of those 30 have a can play the game. Absolutely have a chance. And that's very, very important. Yeah. And the more I read about it, the more it made sense. So when it came to making a decision on game day, if you had to leave two or three players out of one player, they all understood that each was as important as the other. And the way Klopp put it was very simple. He said, you may not understand, you may not like my decision-making, and you may not understand it before the match. And if you have a problem with it, you come to me after the game. So then you can give the feedback uh, on the Tuesday or the Thursday why such and such was left out. In most cases, fellas will understand it, and they will know why they were left out for one reason or another. In some cases, players will see clarity as to why they were left out, see can they improve. Mm. In most cases you would talk to the individual and say, well, this is why you were left out. Yeah. But I think everybody has got to be made feel... They're part of it. They're part of it. Yeah. And that then gives off the vibe that I'm not that important that I can't be done without. Just a quick story on, me, on my own management career. I was managing Turtles Pass, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and we got to two county finals. And, and I was very friendly with, it, with, with a number of Turtles Pass lads before I took the job. And uh, one... Came to the county final and the first year, and one of the lads that was extremely friendly with, I went on a couple of holidays with, golfing holidays and so forth, he had to be dropped for the game. Hardest thing I ever had to do. 
hardest thing ever. Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, Damien Gavin was with me as on the management team. Damien, who played for Westmead for yep. for a number of years as well, but second year got third year we were involved. Got to the county final again. Had to drop the same fella. Same fella had to, had to tell him, oh, unfortunately. But anyway, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to tell him. Damien Gavin had to go and tell him. But it's just it's. Like it's an extremely hard thing to do, especially for a county final. You're going, and unfortunately, we had to go to the same fella twice, and who was very unlucky. And probably when in, when you look back, and it probably should have started both finals, you know. But geez, I, I just felt that was the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and I think again, the advice I would give is that it's a double-edged sword. The manager has to have empathy with the players, but also the player has got to have empathy with the manager. Yeah, and I think. Sometimes I think uh, I'm a great believer in setting that out at the start that everyone in this room is fallible. Everybody's going to make mistakes, uh, including yourself, the manager, even though people don't expect you to make mistakes. So who, who motivates the manager when the manager is down? I think sometimes the manager has got to kind of set that right from the get-go um, that this is the way it is. And unfortunately, you've got to understand that these decisions have to be made in the best interest of everybody else. But if your picture is around the picture, players will understand. And if there's, again, complete and utter clarity with that and there's a consistency to that throughout the season, you really don't have that problem then when you've got to yeah. make the big decisions because it's understood and accepted. And like this year in particular, we had to leave two, three, four players who would have been starters in a team. There was never a question mark about it. They understood that Johnny was in, Johnny was doing the job. Now I've got a show in practice that I can do the job, and when I get my chance, as they all do, you all get always get a chance, well then show what you can do. And in some cases, it refocuses players, and it also gives them leadership role that we talk about. It gives them that leadership role in terms of, am I the same when I have a subs jersey as I am when I have the real jersey? Are my actions... The same, are they considerable, are they, they yeah. confident around the group, positive around the group, and I think that's how you gain player trust, and that's ultimately then how you get performance. But it's it's something that, um, it's difficult, yeah. There's uh, there's obviously different losses in his manager, like let's be honest about it, not every manager wins every game that he goes out and plays, and y you can lose challenge match, you can lose a league match, championship matches obviously are an awful lot different, county finals, I'm sure... If you're like me, you've lost a number of county finals at this stage. But how do you deal with them losses, or is every loss sort of different? A uh, different to deal with. Yeah, and and look at going back to losses and finals. I, I lost six senior intercounty senior finals for one one um, between two two clubs, Bridget's and and uh, and Castlery, and then I end up winning winning six uh, in my late thirties. Four in my 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 forties and all Ireland and and two Connacht championships, so it it's all about really in terms of you got to keep going, you got to keep at it, uh, you got to keep seeing the uh, getting the cloud out of your your voice or cloud out of your mind and cloud out of your vision and just keep at it and, and keep being consistent and you can't win everybody you just cannot win all the time but if you have a consistency to your coaching and your 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 mentality your programmes will be successful. That's how you'll be judged. Can you walk away from a club or a county and say, well, those players are in a better place now than where they were when I started? Yeah. And that's ultimately, that's ultimately to me, the barometer. 
not what you win. I, I think personally, a lot of people come up and coach Dublin to win Leinster championships. Probably coach them to win All Ireland's. Does it mean they're a good coach, a good manager? I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. Or any of these top teams. I see one or two top teams that could do with a different style of management that may make their players and their county more successful. Um, that are very, very close, or were very close to getting over the line. But because there's a certain cloud hanging over them, and the message probably being given by the management isn't one of, of apathy or one of fun um, with the players, that they're not really getting to where they should get to, where they could get to. So it's different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And, and uh, understanding that every time you go coaching, and I'd say this to everybody, that, that hour you're with a player, that hour and a half you're with a player, that's the impact that you can have by being positive or negative. So you got a choice when you walk in the gate, wear your hat, you know, yeah. come in happy, go out happy. Yeah. Player come in happy, player come in sad, he goes home happy. Uh, that's really, really important. And every player to understand that they've got, they're on a journey. Yeah. And that it's only that one time in your life you're chasing normally. One time in your life you can spend millions of hours to get there. Some get there, some don't. But at the end of the day, you got to enjoy what your journey. Doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just one thing there: if you were to pick one county apart from Dublin and Kerry, if you were to pick one county right now that you could take over for the rest of the championship, and that you felt that you had a really, really good chance to win the All Ireland, and you could turn them around and win the All Ireland with them, who would it be? Mayo. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Mayo. I think Mayo can win the All Ireland. Yeah, I, I do. Whether it's now or two or three or four years time, they've got the players. I think they've obviously got this cloud hanging over them, um, which I think has held them back. You know, um, I'm not too sure in the middle of that cloud why they've been held back. Yeah. But um, you know, numerous player, numerous managers have have tried. Um, look at they've, they've been so so close. They've probably been the best team in the country, really, outside of Dublin for the last ten years. They're probably the best team to watch. Ah, they're a brilliant team to watch. Jeez, you know, they play great watch. football. Um, great group of lads, I believe, and and uh, know some of them. Um, but yeah, I think I think to get the likes of them over the line, um, well then you're made for life. You know, you, yeah, you yeah. Know, whoever gets me over the line, he's he's going to be a god. Ah, you know? no, they're great to watch. Um, I love sitting down to watch. Yeah, I do, players. and I think Porrick Joyce with Galway, I suppose he's got a great bunch of players there as well, young as well, hungry. You know, but I think if you're looking at a team to win All Ireland, Mayo is the one. Yeah, no, I, I I sort of tend to agree with you, and it, you nearly, apart from your own county, they're the one county that you nearly hope do win in All Ireland in the next couple of years because uh, it have just knocked on the door so often, and just just maybe one foot in the door, and then just Dublin shut the door in their face or Kerry or whoever yeah, it is. Yeah, it's easy. But it's easy for you to say that from Westmead. Now it's not that easy for us. Come <laughs> and say that. I can tell you, particularly one from Castlery where yeah. we would hate them all our lives. Yeah. but it, it you kind of just grow. I, I would have, yeah, I suppose, really hate them. Hate them. Is that probably a fair word, but it's borderline. You would hate me over the years because of of their success. You know, yeah. let's let's be honest about it. Um, but also, there's an admiration around them as well, and I can see it as well because if you bring it back into maybe the bubble in Roscommon, there's a kind of a hate of Bridget's, you know, over the last because they're successful. Because they're successful, yeah. that's really the way it is. And you know, certain individuals are hated them because they're successful, and that's that's life. You, you know. don't tend to hate someone that's not successful. No, you don't. Not so. absolutely. You don't. But Mayo, I think to answer your question, yeah, I think you know having the likes of Kieran McDonald in there with them could be a good thing because he's a bit of a maverick. He he might give the players that little bit extra freedom. I think that they 
possibly crave. Um, uh, and I think the you know the. They've got the talent. You know. Yourself and Kieran Cut from the one cloud. I don't know. I don't know the lad man at all. You know, I never met him really. Played against him a good few times. Some obviously, footballer. so gifted oh. player. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. he's like you know Frankie with us. You know, Dolan with us, and Joyce Park with with, with Galway. They just had that little bit extra. You know, they were different, and and uh, they were super players. But McDonald was a class player. Yeah, absolutely, ah, he was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just uh, go on. I, like you were a whole-hearted character while you were playing yourself. Let's be fair, and you were you were a little bit out there, if for want of a different word, in terms of that you were uh, erratic and you were you were brilliant at the same time. Uh, would you tend to manage in the same way, or do you think you're out getting a lot more reserved in your older age? It's funny, you know, like people, and I'm not saying it just about myself, but. People that are different, other people are very uncomfortable with, you know, because they're saying, "Why is he actually doing that? What, what's the reason for that?" Because nobody else is doing it. I go back to way, the way I played twenty years ago. Now every goalkeeper in the country is trying to imitate it or mimic it, and they're, you know, they're getting the kudos for it. Like Sonny Morgan, for example, with Tron. But goalkeeper nowadays, he could bring the ball to the halfway line most of the time, and nobody's going to touch him. Because uh, the defense is just for the fourteen players inside the, the the opposition forty-five, certainly inside the opposition uh, three-quarter line. When I played, I played the way I played because I could play. Also, because the manager said, "Well, okay, there's something in this. We can we can actually make an extra man coming out the field." But that time you would you'd be tackled by forwards. The, the, they would actually be in the full forward line tackling you. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know. I obviously played outfield for years and years, outfield with my club, so I had a good skill set. Same as Morgan has, the same as a lot of them have now. Uh, Rory Began from from, from Monaghan, who's probably better. Graham Briody. Graham, Graham's a very good goalkeeper with leash, absolutely. Cluxton doesn't do that well, but he's got the kick out. And different people do different things at different times. But because you're the first or because you're different at a certain time, oh, that's, this is mad. This is mad. But now everybody's doing it. Yeah. So even going back to goalkeepers taking frees, um, I think I'm still I think the only goalkeeper to score a goal and a point in a championship match. That was back in 2004. I was talking to one of your um, inter-county teammates yesterday and he said that if the new rules were in back then that are in now, you never would have scored a line ball. Is that true? Yeah, well, no, it wasn't a line ball. It was a free. It was actually oh, a free. He said, he said he thought it was a line ball. No, it was a free. It was a free, actually. Um, Gary Cox was fouled, actually. It was a free. I'd thrown 75 yards out into the room, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was a long way out, in, and, and I'll never will forget it. because it was He said it went over the black spot. Right over, and it, but the funny thing about it is Eamon O'Hara was giving me a lot of jib, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the game was in the melting pot, and he just kept abusing me, which was great, because then he started putting up his hands. I said, geez, Eamon, you keep them hands there. And all I had to do was concentrate on yeah, getting the, right the ball to the hands. Head. And again, I'd been a free checker anyhow. So, and... Because goalkeepers are now the only goal, they're, on, they're only actually people who actually practice kicking the ball off the ground anymore. Yeah. That's why they're, they're taking the 45s. None of the outfield players practice it anymore. One time you'd have two or three specialist free takers that yeah. practice kicking off the ground. They're all kicking out their hands now. But the goalkeeper is actually the only one who kicks off the ground. So that's why they're probably more, more suited to, to that now. Did you ever come up the field, Shane, in for the last kick of the game and, and not score? I, just, yeah. I was just made aware of maybe a game yeah, against Loud. Against Loud, yeah. The last kick of the game against Loud, yeah. Yeah. Last kick of the game. <laughs> but again, actually, I actually came out that uh, Graham was centre forward, centre back. We actually made the 
got the ball up into a kickable position. I got I was actually fouled for the free, uh, for in that game, and it was again going into the dying embers, and uh, it's a long way out. It's about sixty five yards out that particular free, and I just shaved the post, missed it. Uh, that was actually my last my last kick for for Roscommon. The same fella told me that your last foray out the field ended up with you having to go off injured. Uh yeah no well yeah against uh, against, against uh, Castle against Bar Castle Bar yeah and it did it did actually yeah but again I suppose at that stage then you know when you when you're young you're all legs and no head <laughs> yeah and I got to the stage where I was all, all head, head but no, no legs, legs. <laughs> you know I, I had to be brought back by ambulance yeah I'd and, say and with all the with all the information I'm after trying at you there now you sort of a fair idea who told me all this uh, yeah 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 I can I can imagine <laughs> you were talking to him all right yeah but that's it you know that, but great great fun you know yeah uh, listen it was brilliant and uh, just what do you do to Get your mind away from the game. Do you have any other sports that you sort of concentrate on that you would advise other managers to say, listen, get away from it, do this or do that? Or Yeah, I, I do a lot of reading um, in terms of, of other sports. I, I, I'd like to pick up things like Nick Saban in, 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 in uh, America, um, John Mudden, Arsene Wenger, uh, Klopp. So I kind of inform myself. Uh, Nagel's man, I think, is very, very good. So you're talking about someone, Wenger, uh, his book was out now on My Life in Red and White, so I'm going to read that. I'm an Arsenal fan, so uh, yeah. it's something that's really interests me. You need something at the minute. You need something at the moment, yeah. But like, he's 70 years of age, and he's got a lifetime of, of experience. And then you have Nagel's man coming at 28, 29, 30. You have Nick Saban in the States and in the mid-50s, 60s, very, very good, really, really good. And then you, you look at the likes of John Wooden, um, who's who's a brilliant coach as well. And there's many others, you know, they pick up a lot of stuff off of off, um, hockey. Been to a lot of hockey coaching sessions in, in Canada and America. Um, I have Just just field hockey or ice hockey? No, ice hockey. Ice, ice hockey, hockey yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, you can pick up things from everybody. In actual fact, you can pick up things from everybody in, in everyday life, you know, and... and, and See, can you actually implement some of those thought processes into how how people coach? And you know, no, Owen Mooney is, is is my coach now. He was my coach at Doro. He own um, has the I Coach Kids uh, podcast. Tremendous, tremendous resource. Brilliant guy. Um, so there's many, many different ways of picking up information. But generally, I tend to like a bit of sport and list, look at the soccer and tear your hair out, read the paper, have a glass of wine. Uh, always did that before matches, um, and, and let, let, let just let, let it flow. I played around the golf with you before. Do you do you still like to hit a few balls? I do. Uh, I do. How are you hitting uh, them? Uh, mm, well, you know, I was down to, to around nine and a half, ten uh, when I was hitting them consistently. Now I'm out, so I'm actually nearly embarrassed to say I'm off twenty four. To be honest, but I'm playing like a twenty four a handicapper, almost like a forty two handicapper. So I need a lot of help at my game, and and uh, I need to practice it. To be honest about, and I do get it's a game that actually I get usually frustrated with. But uh, look, at it's good crack. The nineteenth hole is probably the most important <laughs> one for me. Uh, just a quick one for you. I, I just listened to a yoke last night. Chris O'Dowd, the actor, mm-hmm. uh, said that you were his hero back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, Have you any sporting heroes in Roscommon or outside of, or outside of even GA? Uh, Pat Jennings would have been my my sporting hero when I was young. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal, yeah, but obviously my dad had a big influence on me as well because he dad played football for for Castle Reese and Kevin's was a brilliant footballer. Had four county senior medals and, and count captained uh, Castlery and football was always just we were up 
it's either football or nothing. Like it's football, breakfast, dinner, and tea. So and soccer, obviously, and 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 um, yeah, I, I, I ended up in the nursing sport for almost thankfully by default because Jennings had just uh, um, transferred from Tottenham Hotspur to, to Arsenal at seventy seven. And, and my dad uh, said, this is the best goalkeeper in the world. And I, I wanted to know who he played for. So uh, then that led to Arsenal. So Jennings was, was, was my hero um, through, my, through, through, through my early life, I suppose. In football terms, there was a huge influence that time. I remember uh, that 78 World Cup, and we, we got a colour television in the house, which was unusual at the time, you know. Um, we were one of the few with a colour television on the street, and we'd lot of people coming in. And the World Cup that year was the, the Argentina World Cup, Holland, and that the colour and all the, the things, the Amaro Kempes and all that. And, but it's also the time of Kerry and Dublin coming to the fore. So my early, earlier kind of that time, Connick finals weren't on television, even though we a lot of people, heroes in the town of Castlery, like Mickey Frayne would have been the first All Star. Tom Heenahan, there's a plethora of them, Park O'Callaghan, um, Harry Keegan, so many that played for 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 Roscommon, and Roscommon was having a golden era. But we never, as kids, seen them on TV yeah. until the eighty All Ireland. Um, so I suppose, really, you know, in terms of heroes for me in Roscommon, I was very fortunate. Pop Cummins used to come into the house. He was he was the manager in in. Uh, the hospital where my mum and dad worked mm. and he was on the 44, 43, 44 team and panel um, and Larry was just a great fella like he was a larger than life person you know and he used to come to our house and, and he was like 6 foot 3 or 6 foot 4 and about 24 so he was massive and he'd pick you up by the hand and he'd throw you over the shoulder and he was probably my first hero really in terms of, of, of footballing GEA style and, and then I love Brian Mullins you know I love the kind of roguery of the Dublin team you know and yeah. The kind of I suppose, glamour that was around them. More so than Kerry. There was, to me, there was more glamour around the hill and Dublin. And Mullins, Mullins was, was really a hero of mine too when, when I was growing but up. But you had to be a bit of a rogue back then, didn't you? And, uh, even now, you still have to have a little bit about you to be a, an outstanding inter-county player. I think you do. I think you yeah. do. And I think you've got to encourage that as well. You've got to encourage... Uh, go back to earlier on. I think you've got to encourage people to, to be a little bit different. And if yeah. they're a bit different, okay... There's, you have to maybe pair them back a small bit, surely. Yeah. But then if you pair them back, are you losing maybe what they're really good at? So encourage that and encourage that confidence in players. And, and everyone has their own different personalities yeah. anyhow, you know. So you got to manage that within the group. But yeah, there was. And, and it's, look, it's a different game then. Different can be good, now, in fairness. And different is good, yeah. Uh, last question. I've kept you long enough. Uh, would you have an interest in dipping your feet into soccer management? Like, I know Jimmy McGuinness has stepped into the soccer arena. Would you have a, an interest in that, or is it something that wouldn't interest you at all? No, well, I, I, I played League of Ireland for seven or eight years at Lone Town. Great, we had a great time, great time. Uh, and, and, and a couple of stages I looked at thinking about taking out, going, t- doing a UFA a licence. Um, but I never did. And I think, do I regret it? No, because Gaelic football is probably it's where I am. It's my first love, and it's. it's um, well, I do love soccer and all that. I, I think it's very difficult to transition at a particular period in your in your career from that to soccer management. I think soccer management, like the game, people say, you know, you played in goal with Roscom and you played League of Ireland. It's chalk and cheese. It's like playing ice hockey and playing playing rugby. 
uh, the two positions are completely different. Uh, even though you're a goalkeeper, the skill sets required are completely different. Uh, and nowadays, they're completely different altogether. Um, so while I would take a lot of influence from soccer coaching, um, soccer tactics in particular, no, I, I think pursuing it as a career, not, not a chance. I don't think you can. I think a lot of the soccer coaching now, um, a lot of the the way it's coached, the way um, it takes so long to have a competency in it, I don't see the likes of Jim McGuinness or anybody like that transitioning to be successful in it. You may, because you have a contact in somewhere, get an opportunity, but not at the highest level. All right, Shane, listen, thanks very much for taking your time out for to, to spend this for, with us here this morning. And uh, it was uh, it was a good couple of hours, had a laugh, had a, uh, learned a lot, and hopefully a lot of uh, younger managers, budding managers coming up will, will take something from today. Uh, continued success in your management career, and I'm sure we'll come across you again. Pleasure. Thanks, Alan, very much. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, just uh, before we go, thanks very much for joining us, everyone. We would like to thank our main sponsors of today, Medell Healthcare, and the well and more for the kind sponsorship of their location.